turn your attention to the book of Job, Job chapter 19 and verse 23, Job chapter 19, reading verses 23, 24, 25, 26. I will just read the whole Bible, amen. <laughs> Just four verses. Job chapter 19 and verse 23. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. Job is wanting this word that's going to come from him to be forever settled in time. For I know that 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 my Redeemer liveth and he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth and though after my skin worms destroy this body yet in my flesh shall I see God. Hallelujah. I want to speak this morning on this subject. Rediscover the Redeemer. Rediscover the Redeemer. Lord, we're thankful for your word. Thankful, God, for your name. Thankful for your presence and the opportunity to be gathered with our brothers and sisters. We ask you, Lord, that you would anoint our hearts and minds to speak your word and to receive your word. Let it fall on good ground. Let us respond to it. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. This month, the month of December, of which this is the first Sunday and the first day, we draw from the well of rediscover. Throughout the course of 2019, we have followed a theme of 12 wells as we read at the beginning of this year of the children of Israel coming over into this land that was wilderness and the trials and struggles of that land but there were 12 wells that they discovered and the waters were bitter but they were told by God to put the tree in the waters and they would become sweet waters we know that tree is Calvary. It's amazing whatever you put Calvary in the middle of it can turn bitter waters into sweet waters. So throughout the course of this whole year we have been looking at different wells and each month we have a different well that we have drawn waters out of. Each well started with the prefix re meaning to do it again, renew, rejoice. And so this month is rediscover. Let's talk for just a moment about that word. Discover means to uncover, discover, to discard the cover, to reveal what is hid or what perhaps was not made known. It's not that it was just created or just 
fashioned at that moment when you discover gold it wasn't that the gold was just created the gold may have been in that Yukon River for thousands of years but it was just discovered it was just revealed or made known to rediscover is to once again reveal or to find what has been lost or hidden you may have discovered that uh, you enjoyed a certain hobby when you were young but over the course of time you've gotten away from it and and maybe now you have rediscovered the joy of playing golf now that you're retired and you don't have to get up and go to work at 6 30 in the morning so you, you get up at 6 30 and go play golf you've rediscovered the joy of golf or you've rediscovered the joy of of uh, some hobby i i know uh my my mother enjoyed education and learning when she was young and and then uh, she got saved at 18 and moved to florida and met my father who was coming out of bible college and and they met at a youth rally and were married a few months later when evangelizing and then came uh, pastoring and kids and church life and all of this and my mother got away from her uh, love for education but once she got uh, the kids out of the house that was a great day of celebration for the Myers family <laughs> and uh, my mom said, I think I want to go back to school. And we're like, now you're old. Why would you go back to school? You don't have to. You make a living or anything. And she's like, but I just love doing it. I'm like, yeah, but what do you want to be? And she's like, I want to be a doctor. I'm like, that's going to require a lot of school. You're going to be like 68 years old before you graduate. She said, I'm going to be 68 whether I graduate or not. I might as well have something to show for it. So if you know my mother, she did. She went two years to, back then it was Bavard Community College, and then two years to uh, UCF, University of Central Florida, up in Cocoa, and then commuted to Orlando and did another two years and got her bachelor's degree, and, and then she went another three or four years and got her master's degree from UCF and by this time I was thinking if I was her I'd be all done because she never made a B she made an A the whole time graduated with her master's degree at UCF valedictorian here we are at this big stadium in Orlando and my father said I'm just going around telling everybody I'm Margaret Myers' husband because they got special parking for us. They have a special seat for us. They have hors d'oeuvres. That room over there, go over there. There's food over there. We were like a kid in the cancer. We just said we're related to Margaret Myers. And she was the valedictorian. All of these young whippersnappers all coming up there. But there was the bagpipes. And here comes Margaret Myers right behind them. 4.0 GPA. We're like, Mom, that is great. Let's celebrate. She's like, now I want my doctorate degree. Then she went to Barry University. Never made a B. 12 years of school. Never made a B. Straight A's the whole time. And she's a counselor on staff here at First Pentecostal Church. Aren't we blessed? And we're like, Mom, why did you do that? She said, because I... 
I rediscovered how much I love learning. And sometimes we have to go through some things to rediscover. You know, when you were first dating your spouse, how many married folks do we have in here? How many people are not married, but you want to be married? How many of you are married, but don't want to be married? No, 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 don't vote. <laughs> we had mutiny in the camp right there, I think. You know, when you were first dating, you were like, oh, I just love to talk. You'll talk on the phone for hours. And, and you know, maybe back then they didn't have texting, but you would drive, you know, to, to see and you just, you just couldn't hardly be with each other enough. And you just, we got to get married. Oh, we got to get married. We got to get married. And you got married and you had a beautiful wedding day and honeymoon. And, and then, you know, you got into life and got it adjusting and you just loved being with each other and you couldn't do anything by yourself. You had to always be together. And, and then you had kids and jobs and bills and mortgages and payments. And it's not that you quit loving each other. It's just life got really busy. I know you don't want to say amen right now, but I feel a lot of amen. And then you get to a point where you're like, you know what? we got to go back and rediscover. Sometimes it has to be a crisis that gets us to go back and rediscover. But it, it wasn't that the love ever left, and it wasn't that you're finding love for the first time, but you've just got to go back and rediscover your first love. You've got to go back and you've got to say, wait a second, we've got to start having a date night because it doesn't do any good to be really busy and us not be close like we used to be. So you go back and you rediscover or you, or you establish some things that you're going to do in your, in your weekly schedule so that you keep that closeness. Well, the same thing is true in your relationship with God. God saved you. You know God is real. You wouldn't be here today. You know the Word of God is powerful in the name of Jesus. But sometimes through the busyness of life, we and I can become so inundated with all of the pressures and all of the stress that you've got to take time and go back and rediscover that God is a mighty God. That He's a powerful God. That He's my Redeemer. I know that I know my Redeemer liveth. I'm, I'm going through all kind of chaos right now. i got a, a lot of stuff that has died in my life. i I got a lot of things that are broken in my life. But I know that I know that I know that my Redeemer liveth. Much of the Old Testament is a foreshadowing or a veiling, as it were, of the glory of God. Moses came close to the glory of God, but his face had a veil that covered the glow. The Bible says that he caught a glimpse, but it was only the hinder parts of God. The Holy of Holies in the tabernacle was veiled. The common man could not go into that special place, that Holy of Holies, and be face-to-face in an in an uh, intimate relationship with the power and the glory of God. And so we see, even as we go back and we see through the Old Testament, this veiling or this foreshadowing that kind of revealed bits and pieces of, of the power and the nature of God. It was almost, it was like a portal. You would just catch a glimpse and they, they didn't have even the opportunity that you and I had today to be filled with his spirit so there were only little bits and pieces and and the lord would sometimes appear in what they refer to as a theophany or the form of a man and, and they would say wait a second something was different about him and, and and could that have been an angel and so there were all of these different little 
occurrences or appearances or things that happened that let man know that God was much closer than he realized. Because it all started out with God's desire to be close to man. You look at the very beginning of the book of Genesis, we see that the Bible says that the Lord would come down in the cool of the evening and he would commune with Adam and Eve. They learned that God had a desire to come close to his creation. But then there was a separation. And what separated was sin. Sin always separates us from God. Not because God's mad at us and God doesn't love us anymore. But sin separates us because the relationship that we have with God has contingencies. Not because God is fickle. But because he has a holy, righteous nature. And when sin comes in, there is an automatic separation. Have you ever tried to pour oil and water together? There's just an automatic separation. Or what about, you know, the ends of a magnet? There's this automatic separation that takes place. And it's not that God is trying to move away from you. It's that sin forces this gap. This is what happened in the Garden of Eden. That sin comes in and so Adam and Eve now are forced into a position that is not as close, not as intimate as it was before. And so they're learning about the nature of God. They're learning about the favor of God. They're learning about the rejection of God. And then Cain learns about the judgments of God as he and Abel are struggling with learning this God that they're serving. How can humanity be in relationship with deity? And of course, Cain gets upset because Abel's sacrifice is, is acceptable to the Lord and God favors him, but then he doesn't Cain's. And so there's this anger and Cain acts out and kills his brother Abel. And so as a result of that, Cain is pushed out of civilization and made to wander like a, a nomad. And so he is concerned that he will not survive and and at this point, Cain learns the mercy of God. Even in the midst of judgment, there's mercy. And God is merciful to Cain and gives him a path to be restored. He lets him know that your actions are not void of consequences. He learns about the punishment of God, but then he also learns that God is a God that wants to redeem, to restore, to renew. The human race discovered judgment, but Noah and his family discovered redemption and salvation. Because even though the earth was being destroyed by water, their little ark just bobbed up on top of the water. And God saved them. Oh, hallelujah. They didn't know about this kind of a savior before that. They didn't realize that in the midst of judgment, God is also a savior. You look around today and you can see that there is judgment on sin, but in the midst of it all, God has given us an ark. God has given us a church and it just sort of bobs up on the top. And no matter what may come or go, there's a God that said, I'm going to provide a way of escape for you. Oh, I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the ark of God. That gives us a place of safety. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. 
It doesn't matter how bad the world gets. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we shall raise up a standard. Oh, hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, these principles are not confined to just the book of Genesis. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You may have read it, you may have heard it when you were a child in Sunday school. But I've got good news for you. It's time to rediscover that God is still our Savior. That God has still given us an ark. That God has given us a church. That God is going to protect us and keep us even in the midst of judgment. Jonah learned that the call of God is not a suggestion. That when God says go to Nineveh, He means go to Nineveh. Don't go whenever you think you can get around to it. How many of you have children? Would you raise your hand? How many of you know that what you say is not what they hear? You say, take out the trash. They hear, take out the trash when you feel like it. <laughs> when you have time in your busy schedule. When there's a commercial. When there's not something else going on that you would rather do. That's what they hear, but that's not what was said. Oh, can I get a witness in the house today? When God says something, we think it's a suggestion. The book says ten commandments, not ten suggestions. Y'all eat too much turkey, I can tell. <laughs> go to Nineveh. Ah, what I heard was go on a cruise. <laughs> Royal Caribbean's got some sales. I'm going to go down there and check that out. So he went down to Miami slash Tarsus and I can, I can wait for you. Port Everglades got on a boat. He's so happy. Got him a lawn chair and a pina colada with a little umbrella sticking out the top. Virgin pina colada. Got to make it clear. <laughs> Brother Jay Carney was uh, speaking to our staff and he was talking about working with new people and he said a man came to his church and, and uh, he'd gotten the Holy Ghost and he's working with him to be saved and all. And after a few weeks, the man came to him and he said, Pastor, I have to admit, I, I drank a six pack this week. And Brother Carney said, well... Just drink a five-pack next week. <laughs> he was trying to say, you just sometimes you got to get on the path. you got to get on the right path. When it was all over, one of the brothers in our group raised his hand and had a question about the five-pack. We are like, no, no, that didn't mean you. <laughs> no five-pack. But here's... Here's Jonah thinking, he's fine now. God has lost his zip code. But how many of you know God can find you even if you're hiding in the Bahamas? 
Come on, somebody. He can make things uncomfortable for you. I don't care how much money you're making. I don't care where you live in or who you're hooked up with. If you're not doing what God called you to do, you're going to be miserable. He's going to upset the apple cart, turn the boat upside down, and let you know, I didn't call you to be a sinner. I didn't call you to be a heathen. I called you to be a child of God. I am your redeemer. I've died for your sins. I was buried and rose again that you would be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Pretty soon the world said, it's too hot for me. I'm going to get rid of you. This is what the world does. You out there trying to be a camouflage Christian. And you making it awkward for sinners. And at some point they just going to say, they just need to go back to church. Because we had nothing but trouble since you started hanging out with us. Because God won't only mess with you, he'll mess with all your friends. <laughs> there is a blessing at being in the proximity of God's favor. But there's also a curse at being in the proximity of God's disfavor. If somebody ain't doing right, you can pray for them, but you may need to pray for them from a distance. You say, oh, but I love them. I'm trying to win them to God. But you can't get in the quicksand with them. Somebody's got to be on solid ground. Somebody's got to be able to reach out and pull them out of the miry clay. You ain't going to win them going to the bar with them. You ain't going to win them going to the club with them. You ain't going to win them sinning with them. You got to win them by teaching them about somebody. You got to stay on the rock. Good God Almighty. Hallelujah. Jonah had to learn that God can find you anywhere and make a way where there seems to be no way. Because even though he was in the belly of that big old fish, when they finally threw him overboard, he said, I'm the problem, get rid of me and the waves will cease. And sure enough, he did, the waves cease. But God, the Bible said, prepared a great fish. Oh, y'all don't realize God got you right now in a big old fish that he prepared for you. He got you in a big old yellow submarine. <laughs> you say, I don't know why I'm in the midst of this situation. Because God's trying to get your attention. That's why you're in the midst of a situation. He wants you to rediscover the Redeemer. He didn't put you in the midst of that situation for you to lose confidence in God. He wants you to realize the same God that saved you 25 years ago. It's the same God that's going to bring you out of what you're facing right now. He wants you to rediscover that he is not just a one-time redeemer. Jonah cried out from the belly of that whale. That whale got sick and spit. 
Jonah up on the shore. Jonah come up there all nasty. Seaweed wrapped around his head. That big old bright light called the sun shining at him. All eat up with gastric juices of a big fish, whatever that looks like. Somebody say, you don't actually believe he was in a fish, do you? Yes, I do. Why? Because the Bible says a fish. We got to be careful we don't lose the wonder of the Word of God. I like this guy, that's a, he's a good writer, Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you ever read any of his stuff. He wrote The Tipping Point and Blink and... He's a sociologist. I think he also has a Christian background. He's from Jamaica. My God, I'm hunting hard for amens today. I'm even gone to the Jamaicans. Nothing else, they'll help me. Think his mama was Jamaican. Somebody help me out here. And Malcolm Gladwell, who I enjoy reading, he wrote a book on David and Goliath. And in the book, he goes back to the biblical story and he starts to talk about it and explain to you why the giant fell that he was actually some sort of big retarded individual had a big head and a big knot and he tries to explain in rational terms why the giant fell man i put that book down i said malcolm gladwell i like you as a rock but you done gone up into the bible and tried to take away the miracle of it all i'm not a famous writer but i'm gonna tell you what i believe I believe that David got out there with a sling and whirled it round and round in his head and that God guided that thing like a guided missile. God had GPS long before man had GPS. That rock was a heat-seeking missile and it found its way right into that man's head and knocked him for a loop. You know why? Because you don't ever want to lose the wonder of the Word of God. You don't ever want to lose the fact that it's a miracle that God manifests Himself in flesh and was born of a virgin. And His name is Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. It's in the book and we believe the book. I gotta hurry. But perhaps the hardest lesson that Jonah learned is that God will hear the cry of repentance even from a wicked people. He got out there and he preached. Can you imagine? He was he was the he was the most successful preacher that did not want to be successful that ever lived. I mean, I can just see Jonah up there preaching. If you don't repent of your sins, all you bunch of heathens. You're all going to go to hell. could happen any moment. He looked at his little sundial. He walked up and down the streets. No enthusiasm. He didn't care. He was ready. You're all going to die. You're all going to die. If you don't repent, you're all going to die. You're all a bunch of heathens. You're all a bunch of sinners. You're going to die, 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 die. They even wrote a song about it. You're going to die, die, die. You're going to die, 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 die. Walked up and down. The people heard him. Jonah finished his little half-hearted sermon. Went out and sat him in a juniper tree and got ready to watch the fireworks. Like we would gather at Disney World. Whew, anytime now, God go open up heaven. 
zap all these sinner folk. Mm. It's going to be a big barbecue. I can't wait. You read your Bible. And everybody in the city said, did you hear that preacher? We got to repent. The mayor said, everybody goes on a fast. Everybody fast. Maybe God will be merciful to us. Put all the animals on a fast. The cows are like, (laughs) You read the book. They put all the animals on a fast. And God looked down and said, I will not destroy him. And Jonah's over there going, are you kidding me? You put me in the belly of a great fish and you're not going to destroy these people? Something is wrong. I got a bad connection. Have you ever felt like everything's upside down? You trying to live right, do right, pay your tithes, go to church, read your Bible. And it seemed like everybody else is being blessed but you. Can I get a witness in the house? Woo! God's trying to remind you, hallelujah, that He is the Redeemer. And His redemption is not just for you and it's not just for me. It's for a whole world that's not even sure that God is real. But somebody told them, they saw it on television, on the internet. Somebody taught them a Bible study. And they're saying, God, if you'll forgive me, if you'll help me. And the Redeemer. Is going to make a way if somebody will just give him just a foothold. Somewhere in the middle of all this, Job learned about the blessing of God. He was blessed with family and friends and he made a good living. He had good health. And I'm sure he had heard the stories of God saving the lives of Noah and Jonah and bringing them back from the dead. But in the midst of making a living and raising a family, it's easy for us to forget the mystery of his majestic nature. That he's the mighty God in Christ. That he's a sovereign God. It's easy to forget what God brought you from. Maybe it's been years. It's easy to forget the wonder, the miracle of it all. That God delivered you. You didn't even think there was a God. You didn't even know. Maybe you came to an Easter drama. Maybe you came to a Christmas cantata. You don't even remember when or how, but you found yourself in a Pentecostal church and you thought you'd just stay for a few minutes, but you stayed a little longer and you started feeling the presence of God and you discovered that God was real and that if you would just talk to Him and ask Him into your heart, that God would come down, that He would come close to you. Wrap his arms around you. And for the first time you felt peace. You discover that God really does forgive. And he can lift all that guilt. You discover that he really does fill you with his spirit. 
referred to as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And that that Spirit inhabits you. And when God fills you with His Spirit, that you receive the biblical, the biblical account of being Spirit-filled. The Bible describes that when they were filled with the Spirit, they, they spoke in words that they did not understand called tongues. And that God gave you that same experience that is in the Bible. You discovered that there really is power in the name of Jesus. That it really does matter that you get baptized in Jesus' name. Because there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that when you call on the name of Jesus, you feel God come close to you. That when you call on the name of Jesus, you do feel his peace and his power and his love and his strength and his anointing. And that when you say Jesus... You feel virtue come into your mind. You discovered that God really does hear your prayer. And that he really does heal your body. You discovered that memorizing scripture can restore brain cells and sharpen your memory. Even though you may have destroyed them on weed. But the word of God has come and has restored you and giving you clarity of mind and wisdom and understanding and judgment you didn't get it by yourself you didn't get it in a college you've got it in the word of god that restored your mind well you ought to lift your hands and your voice right now and you ought to thank your redeemer You discovered that God does bless you more. You can be seated when you pay your tithes and you give Him the first 10% of your income. Even though that seemed counterintuitive then and it does now. How can you have more by giving or returning 10% of your income back to the Lord as the Word of God instructs us to do. Because somehow God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. People that don't understand that, people that have not tried, people that have not tested, the Bible says in the book of Malachi, prove me and see if I will pour you out a blessing that you can't contain. He said, how have we robbed God? You've robbed God in tithes and all. He makes it clear, but until you put God to the test, you don't discover that principle. So people that have not discovered it, they think you're crazy. Going down there to that church and giving 10% of your... Will you give 20% of your income to alcohol, to cigarettes, to lottery... T- oh, don't get me preaching. You don't want to hear this. Oh, but when I think of the goodness of Jesus... I return back what belongs to him anyhow. 
And when I do, I learn to wonder that God has blessed me beyond my wildest imaginations. I discovered he's my Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. You discovered that it does make a difference when you live by principles of modesty and dress. That lifestyle changes and commitments do make a difference in your relationship with God. He didn't believe that at first. He thought them people were all just tied to the law. Living in the Old Testament. Don't understand the grace and the mercy of God. But when you begin to read it and practice it, you saw that God put a hedge of protection around your marriage. That God put a hedge of protection around your children. You started realizing, you discovered that it's not just some sort of lip service. That actually the Word of God is true. Every part of it. You discovered the benefit, blessing, lifestyle that attempts to follow biblical principles. But over time, you have to rediscover. You've discovered, but now God is calling us to a place of rediscover. Because the trials of life, the disappointments of life, sometimes force us into a position of rediscover. This is what happened to Job. He had been faithful. Then he had been forced to his knees. He was broken. He was decimated. He lost his strength, his health, his family, his friends, his living, his wealth. He was broken, busted, and disgusted. Has he ever been there before? He'd been broken and disgusted. Seem like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I don't know how in the world I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of this. How are we gonna get through it? Time to rediscover. Job has to go through chaos, hurt, and pain. But in the pressure cooker. Heard them pressure cookers, they got that little valve on the top. I don't know what's going on in that pot. But there's some things you can't microwave. Good God Almighty. Some things you got to put in the pressure cooker. And it's just got to sit in there. One hour, two hour, three hour. Come on, somebody, you can't microwave all your prayers. There's sometimes you've got to just bask in the presence of God. Come on, something's got some, put you in a pressure cooker and just a little bit of steam coming off. You're going to get a revelation. You're going to rediscover that your Redeemer liveth. Because while you're in the midst of it, while Job was in the midst of it, uh, he said, I want somebody to write this down and I want you to put it in the rock. I, I want it to be in lead. I want to say it and I want to say it now because it's true now and forevermore. I know that I know that my Redeemer liveth. And though everything around me is broken or 
tired or busted or dying. Not my God. He's still in charge. He's still on the throne. He's still alive. <laughs> I know my Redeemer lives. And now this rediscover turns into revelation. He shall stand at the latter, at the latter day upon the earth. You gotta remember now, he's writing this in the Old Testament. He gets a revelation that the God of glory is gonna stand on earth in the latter day. See, what's latter day to them is different than what's latter day to us. He had a revelation of the Redeemer. One day, he's gonna stand on earth. One day. God of glory is going to come to earth. He's going to robe himself in flesh. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And I know that in that latter day, he shall stand upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, now he gets a revelation of the resurrection. Because he remembers and he's rediscovering that his Redeemer is not a God that's far off beyond the Milky Way somewhere. He's as close as the mention of his name. And he didn't know his name then, but we know his name now. Though after my skin words destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. This flesh is going to see God. This flesh, broken, scarred, marred, full of mistakes, full of contradictions. This flesh, though the skin worms destroyed, this flesh shall see God. Oh, I believe God wants this church to rediscover the Redeemer. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what test or trial you're in. God's going to use the situation that you're in right now for you to see God. You're going to see Him. He's going to be revealed to you. You're going to know that you know that you know that your Redeemer liveth. Not that He lived and He's going to live again one day, but that He is an ever-present help in a time of need. He liveth. Stand to your feet. He liveth. Mm. Jesus. He liveth. He liveth. Mm. We go back into the Word of God and we see David was a worshiper of God. And his granddad was a man by the name of Obed who was the product of a kinsman redeemer. The son of Ruth and Boaz. 
Ruth had lost her husband back then if the covenant of marriage was broken by death or adultery there could be a kinsman redeemer that could step in store the promise of the future Boaz becomes the kinsman redeemer steps into that place restores the promise of the future not only for Ruth but restored the hopes and dreams of Naomi her mother-in-law who had also lost her husband ladies and gentlemen you may not realize it but you and I are all the result of a kinsman redeemer we weren't born into this we don't have any entitlement to be in the presence of God but Jesus became our kinsman redeemer he stepped into a place of restoration and restored our future so that Paul says in the book of Romans for as many as are led by the Spirit of God they have become the sons of God we've been redeemed we've been redeemed I hope you can come back tonight I want to talk about rediscovering greatness But for just a moment this morning, I want to ask you to step out from where you're standing right now and to gather down at this altar. You'll just give me five minutes before you leave this morning. I believe God will give you a significant revelation of something that He wants to do in your life. Say, why did David worship God like he did? All he had to do was think back two generations to his grandfather Obed. Maybe as a boy, his grandfather told him the story. You know, David, we don't deserve to be here. But God made a way where there seemed to be no way. You know that's true in your life. We don't deserve to be here. We don't deserve to stand in His presence. To sit in heavenly places. Jesus stepped in and redeemed us. And David learned a valuable lesson that I believe even we as a church now are learning. And that is that God will never turn away the worship that comes from a wounded spirit. In the midst of hurt, if you can say, I'm going to still be a worshiper of God, you'll rediscover the Redeemer. Job didn't understand everything he was going through, but he said, I know what I know. My Redeemer liveth. And I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. part and parcel to each other redemption and worship go together you and I are made up of body soul and spirit and 
It's easy for the spirit and the soul to worship. But when this flesh, when these bones begin to worship, ladies and gentlemen, there is something that happens that opens up our heart and mind to the Redeemer. That this flesh can worship God. That this flesh can magnify God. That these hands were not designed to hurt. They were designed to heal. That this body that you and I have as our carcass, as our humanity, as our flesh. It was not designed to sin. It was designed for salvation. It was not designed for rebellion. It was designed for redemption. And so I choose to use my mouth and bless the Lord. I choose to use my hands to lift them up as holy hands unto the Lord. Because when I worship Him, this flesh, these bones, they rediscover. This flesh rediscovers. That's why David said in Psalms 35, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in His salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee? This is why Job said, in my flesh, I shall see God. I don't have to wait before I become some angelic being. I can do it right now in the midst of crisis and chaos. I can use my voice. I can use my hands. And I can worship the Redeemer. Would you do that all across this building right now? Would you lift up your hands and your voice? Jesus, 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 all together, all together, all together, You've not forsaken me, Lord. You've not distanced yourself from me. You are as close as the mention of your name.
wondered why the Bible says this corruption this corruptible shall put on incorruption this mortality shall put on immortality why why not just create new bodies why is this corruptible gonna put on incorruption why is this mortality gonna put on immortality why not just create brand new flesh why come back and redeem these old tired bones the Lord gave me a revelation everything that worships he will redeem mean we're worthy doesn't mean we deserve it but for every time that these bones worship though they were tired and beat up every time they worship when the soul was suffering and the spirit was crushed yet the hand somehow still went up and the voice still somehow was lifted up every time you cried out in faith another piece of that old rugged cross fell off that blood was splattered a little bit further and the Lord looked down and said I'm gonna redeem those bones I'm gonna redeem that flesh because that flesh worshiped me I know I've kept you more than five minutes we're gonna do this one time and then we're gonna go I wonder if you're wearing flesh today my God, that's everybody, in case you need an explanation. If you've got on flesh, and you use that flesh to worship God, God will redeem it. I said God will redeem it. God will redeem it. He'll redeem your mind. 
He'll redeem your flesh. He'll redeem the bones. He'll redeem your hands, your mouth, everything that is a part of your natural person. God will redeem it. I wonder now across the building right before we're dismissed, would you raise your hands right now? Would you raise your voice? And would you shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph? My Redeemer liveth! Oh, Jesus! God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.